Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Each week, Jess Gedeke chats with world-class brand professionals to bring you the story behind the story of some of the most breakthrough innovations, marketing tactics, and campaigns. Hi, everybody. This is Jess Gedeke with the Dig In podcast. So I am thrilled to be joined by Ana Maria Rodriguez. Uh, I've known Ana for a number of years, and I've been really looking forward to today's conversation. Ana is the Chief Food Innovation and Quality Officer at Pizza Hut International, part of the Yum Brands family, and obviously a well-loved brand all over the world. So I am so thrilled to have you join me here today. Welcome. Jess, it's a pleasure to be here with you, and it's so good to reconnect after so many years. I know. It's been a long, long time. So tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background to get us going. Absolutely, Jess. Listen, I am a foodie, first Mm -hmm. and foremost. I'm an absolutely foodie. I love food. Uh, My background is a food engineer, actually, and I also had a master's degree in food engineering. Um, So I'm a geek in food uh, with a bunch of culinary um, seminars and workshops in my belt, 27 years of working with young brands. I've done KFC, Taco Bell, and lately Pizza Hut. And um, I'm super thrilled because that has given me the option of learning different categories in the QSR, different suppliers, different ways of innovating and bringing awesome food to everyone. I'm just very happy. I have also led quality uh, for many, many years. As you can tell by my accent, I'm Latin. Um, I'm from Costa Rica, a beautiful country as well, uh, but very, very happy to live in the United States for the past 23 years. Yeah. Well, and your role has given you global access to all these, you know, Pizza Hut headquarters around the globe. So I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about that as as we we talk today. But uh, it's so, so clear that you're passionate about what you do. But what do you love most? If you were just give me the top thing about your job, what do you love most? Well, besides food that I just mentioned, (laughs) what I love the most is visiting countries, learning cultures in different places, getting to meet people that are absolutely fascinating, outstanding, learning from each other, getting ideas from here and there and and, uh, and eating the food that they produce. You connect through food and and I love that by visiting countries. And, And as you were mentioned, I have... The privilege of being in 87 different countries around the world so far. And and that is 87 cultures, 87 different people that I have met in every single country. Amazing. It's just it's just beautiful. The culture is what connects people. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Your job just sounds so incredibly fascinating. And so if it's OK with you, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to I'm going to start with asking you to tell me a story. So our listeners really do crave inspiration from other leaders. And I think the best way to inspire is to tell stories. And you have been such an integral part of the development and launch of probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of innovations at at Pizza Hut and across Yum! Brands. So tell us a story. How do Pizza Hut innovations originate? Do you have an example of a specific inspiration? Oh, mine. Um, We launch in the neighborhood of 50 to 87, 86 products a year around the world. So I not only have one, I have 87 that that actually pops (laughs) in my veins. I love it. 
how do we innovate? You know, we, we use a simple process, Jess, and uh, and it, it, when when we met long, long time ago, we were using a similar process, and we call it 4D because you go deep in the dive. You know what what is happening? What are what are the opportunities of the business? What are the trends? Uh, you know what what people are talking about in social media. So you you grasp everything in in. What is the main priority as a business that you have, that you have the opportunity to bring new innovation, new news? Then you move into the second D that for us is all about discovering and, and it's discovering what it's out there. Does it exist? Are we pioneering something completely new? No. So you go typically back to school to understand what it's out there, do, are you benching against something else that it's potentially something that you want to pull to your brand? Um, and then you move into the third D, which is not different than just literally the defined, the, the developed of the prototypes. This is where you do consumer research and you do, um, you know, pragmatic, qualitative or quantitative, depending on what kind of product are you bringing in. But this is where you go with suppliers and you develop the entire marketing positioning. So it's not just the product, by the, but the entire, you know, develop of, of whatever it is that you are going to pilot or position or launch. And then you move into the last D, which is the D of, of literally deliver. And this is where you try to deliver the results. You launch the campaigns, you measure success. Um, and that is repeated for every single opportunity, for every single um, business need or consumer need. You repeat the process again and again. And that's how you keep innovating, hopefully 24, 36 months ahead of time, because innovation takes time. It's not, not, not always is like a, a two months from, you know, creation to launch. No, it, it typically takes a lot more time than that. No, absolutely. That that type of framework is so helpful and probably one that kind of anchors the organization around that that discipline of what it takes to bring something to market. So is there a particular innovation that just is, is one of your favorites from your past where maybe the, the kind of first phase in, the, in that D was particularly insightful? Well, we have, I can, I can probably talk about one that is very recent that launched this today, in fact, um, and that is in Indonesia. And it is, mm -hmm. it is the foundation is the, is the holidays and, and this season of, of October that is Halloween and, and it's a black pizza. And, and it's, it's literally black and it's phenomenal. And you can Google, it's in Instagram, it's in social media right yeah. now. They call it Black Black October and it's going to last for a month only. And it's an stuffed cross black dough um, that contrasts with a delicious string cheese and, um, and you have it in different toppings. It's just amazing. And many countries have done Halloween pizzas in the past for us. And it's just one or two days or maybe a week. This particular case is a month. Um, but those are the, the products that brings a lot of talkability. It brings a lot of top of mind. It keeps the brand fresh and young and nice and cool um, for just in a specific season. No? So that, that is actually really, really nice. And, and seeing black pizzas um, from five years ago going into two countries now to actually see black pizzas going into 16 or 20 countries uh, is just phenomenal in my mind. But the first one to launch was actually today and it was Indonesia. Um, but probably another story um, and a little bit 
potentially more uh, challenging and inspiring is when we launched uh, what we call today the handcrafted uh, line of pizzas. This line, it's actually a sourdough crust and uh, it's not in the United States yet. It's in 28 countries and we introduced that in 2018 and then COVID hit us and, and it's been a slow introduction market by market. But it was created from the need to go back to artisan roots that are distinctive, no? The sourdough flavors from San Francisco, no? That the airy, light crusts that the mom and pop pizzerias have is this look of wood fire oven pizzas that we can actually own and launch and democratize for the world as part of our pizza hut and as part of our delivery system. No? So, and it was challenging for many reasons, not, not just the, the creation of the dough that can potentially be baked in our ovens because our ovens are not wood fired. They are just conveyor belt ovens, no, with a lot of impingement. Um, but in order to, to have that dough developed and fermented slowly uh, with the right flavors and that puffs and gets artisan wood fire look in our own ovens, it took us a lot of R&D work. It, looked, it took us a lot of what we call food innovation and technology work with suppliers to make it happen. Then cascading this um, through the organization and getting the buy-in from operations and the buy-in from supply and the buy-in from marketing, creating the best positioning for it. Um, it it's been a journey and we still have it in, I mean, we have it in 28 countries and it's still growing into more and more countries, but the challenges continue to be similar. Not that entire supply chain, that retraining of employees that, they were so used to perfection, golden brown pan yeah. pizzas, and now having bubbles, it's yeah. actually cool, no? And it's, it's equally cool than the perfection of the golden brown pan, no? So it's the how you train and bring the mindset now that imperfect is beautiful. Um, it's been a challenge for the organization, but a beautiful journey too. Oh my gosh. I mean, not only am I very hungry now that we've been talking about sourdough pizza, um, but I love what you just touched on, which is it's not only about having this inspired idea and, you know, having the the quality of the product be be great, the positioning great, but there's so many steps to making that execute correctly in market. And that's what you ultimately are also responsible for, right? Is the quality. So when you have this sourdough pizza in Indonesia and Germany, it's got to have the same quality and there are so many operational considerations. And so, um, that's really cool, but I love too, that it's grounded in this, this idea of the, of the artisan roots. So I grew up in the Bay area, so I know sourdough. Okay. <laughs> I know what it is. And I, I love picturing this kind of imperfection across the globe of these, uh, of these doughs. So, oh, how beautiful. I am certainly hungry now. So thank you for that. <laughs> you... Oh, I have to, I have to send you not just the dough and the cross, but a oh lot of pictures from around the world because it does look pretty. It allows us to, to become distinctive in the classic 
um, category, no, not, not just everybody has a classic pizza. Everybody has a, a not so thick, not so thin pizza right now. But, but the fact that you brought it or we brought it with, with this, you know, beautiful ferment, beautiful dough structure that nobody else has. Um, it's putting us in a, in a very unique, distinctive uh, position right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know in the U.S. in particular, you know, the, the pandemic really caused a lot of people to start experimenting with their own sourdough at home. Um, I don't know if that was as prevalent in other markets across the world, but I'm curious, did that play into the strategy of, of tackling sourdough for Pizza Hut? Oh my, yes, it was in early, in early stages of development. Um, we developed this prior pandemic, but it just became more and more popular to work with mother doughs and, you know, the, the sourdough flavors and, and testing which sourdough flavor is the right or wrong for us. And it took us a lot. I mean, it took a lot of R&D work on that one. Yes. Oh my gosh, how exciting. And when do you know that an innovation is a success? Like, what is your milestone when you say, this is a win? Oh my, yes, we, we use several metrics, of course, as a business, as, as a large organization for all across the brands. No, but I, I will say that there are potentially two buckets that we look at that the first bucket, obviously, is everything related to transactions. Are we increasing the amount of consumers that use the brand, um, not just the sales, but the transactions, because it's the healthiest way to measure success. No, how many more people are we reaching? Um, how how much frequent are they visiting us? So so there is this portion of transactions, frequencies, sales, purchase cycle that we use. But there is the second bucket, and I think it's probably even more relevant nowadays, which is the talkability, the social listening, how many impressions are the people talking about it, right or wrong, polemic or not. I mean, some people may like it, some people may hate it, but the fact that they talked about it's what yeah. brings top of mind. It's what keeps the brand fresh. So that the entire talkability, mm-hmm. um, it's becoming more and more important for us. I, I, that's so exciting because that, you know, word of mouth, obviously, um, gets you awareness, hopefully if it's in the positive light, particularly. But it also speaks to the fact that these brands and these products play a role in consumers' lives, right? It becomes part of who they are and what they share. So I love this talkability aspect. And I think that's really important. I, I talked about the black because it's October and it's Halloween and, and it's the Katrina in Mexico. And it has different names in different countries, depending on the, the day of the death or, or whatever it is. No, But we also have unique ingredients that we bring to the menu. And and I can potentially mention a couple. Taiwan is, is very, very big, not just in craveability, but in talkability. And, um, and Taiwan brings durian. And, and I don't know if you are familiar with what durian is, a fruit that smells very, very strong. And it comes in seasons and the entire China and Asia goes crazy with durian pizzas. Mm-hmm. Um, stinky tufo. I mean, you name it. I mean, they, they bring ingredients that are locally relevant that only happens in certain seasons and people wait for them. Literally, sure. the people just yeah. crave them and wait seasons and months to bring them back and to buy them. So, so it, it is incredibly powerful to have that connection with the consumers in social media and bringing those talkability uh, touch points uh, into the brand. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and just you talking about some of those kind of unique ingredients and seasonal ingredients, it, it makes me think of your other job, which I don't know how you have spare time to do this, but you're a judge for the National Restaurant Association's Fabi Awards. And so you've got to see some incredible innovations and ingredients come across that uh, event. I don't know how I'm going to ask you to sum it up in one kind of thing, but what's your biggest takeaway having been a judge for those? Oh, wow. It, it, it's, it's beautiful. And it is an absolute privilege to be part of that judging. I mean, we are only eight judges around the United States. And uh, every year we gather starting in November all the way to March. And we start receiving and sampling innovation coming from many different companies. Some of them are startups. Some of them are big companies. No? Um, and at any point in time, we are, you know, in every of the years that we have done it, uh, it's probably 90 to 100 samples of different innovative products or beverages because we, we judge both. And what I can say, Jess, is that, yes, while plant-based continue to grow and it's probably one of the categories that is stronger in in, um, in judging and we, we get um, probably 40% of the samples are in the plant-based area, specifically this past year on seafood, we, we had a lot of beef and pork and we, we still have a lot of that, but there is a lot of seafood, there is a lot of fish and shrimp and, and a ton of tunas and a ton of different uh, phenomenal pieces in plant-based. There is a huge portion of additional innovation that comes from beverages without alcohol fantastic and it's a growing trend and then we see a lot of um, other ready to use ingredients burgers that are fully cooked that can minimize the time for serving in restaurants um, there is a lot of ready fully cooked products that you just reheat even for QSR retail you know food service or even at home no you just need to re-thermalize them and makes your life easier. So easier, convenient, delicious, and craveable have to be there. Um, but the way people are innovating is more in making it so easy for you to use, um, to make literally your life easier and enjoy the food. Spend more time enjoying the food and less time cooking the food. Sure, sure. And gosh, with your years in the industry, is the technology just picking up? Are we at a tipping point when it comes to, to food technology and some of these ready to use? And I mean, is this like the time? It's not going to stop, Jess. This is just the starting, um, honestly. I mean, we, we are we are seeing everything now from not just alternative um you know, proteins happening. We now have cultured happening. We're, we are growing food in different ways that taste phenomenal. No? So technology is just taking off in my mind. Uh, we, we, we awarded a company that gave us a, a sunny side up egg made of plant base. And that for me was like, Oh my, this is true innovation. I mean, when you see the yolk that is yellow and you see the, the, the whites that are perfect and you pop the, the, the yolk and it runs like a sunny side up egg, you see, my goodness, technology is advancing super fast. Yeah, I saw the video on that because you mentioned it and it's, it's just fascinating. And to think, 
then I think fast forward to when that item is incorporated as part of a venue item and how, how chefs and cooks are, you know, incorporating that into their culinary experiences. It's so cool. So that's, that's wonderful. Um, I'm sure there's no shortage of products you could talk about from, from the fabbies, but thanks for, for talking about a couple of those. So I'd love to turn a little bit more to you as a leader. You are a thought leader in this industry, certainly in your organization. So I'd love to hear first, what is one of your most controversial or passionate opinions about the state of innovation right now? Well, I don't think there is any controversial in my mind. I think I, 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 you know, I, I love innovation coming from all fronts, to be honest. I, I love everything that I am seeing in the industry. I, I believe the future has tons of possibilities. So there is nothing controversial in my mind as of today. I'm a, I'm a scientist. So my background, in, you know, enhances and embraces everything that is out there as a possibility. You know? So I do not will say, I will say that I do not have any controversial around it. I, I think it's just, we need to be open-minded to what is happening and uh, we just need to keep embracing and keep pushing younger generations to think of different ways to serve others. And serve food is one of them, but it's packaging, it's, it's everything. It's just not the food. Is, is the how you bring the experience, is the innovation in the experience equally important as the innovation in the food per se, no? No, I love that. And and it is all about that experience for the human beings at the end of the day that are consuming your food, right? So I, I think that passion is just is really strong and good call to action for the next generation, right, of scientists and innovators. I, I am, as, as a thought leader, as you said, listen, I'm all for growing the next, the next gen. I, I am actively participating in every single program that YUM has to grow our next level of talent in food, in quality, in innovation, in, in whatever they need. I'm also particularly keen to, to lead females um, in, in that growth journey. And by the way, if they are Latins, even more. No, so, so um, I, I do believe that we have a, a, a task. When you get to my age, Jess, my task is to give back. And, and as much as you can give back to train and make the others grow faster than, than in your own journey, that's what I need to accomplish. That, that's my passion now is in food, but my passion is to make sure that the younger generations get faster to a better place in different companies. Oh, I've just got a big smile on my face because you are so inspiring in that way and you have paved the way. And so I know that the, the next generation appreciates you if you don't hear it often enough. I, I know that they do. Um, so speaking of what's next, what's your hot take on the future of the QSR industry? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I think it's going to stay. It's going to stay and remain there. You know, you see COVID happening and, and evolving and from people staying at home and not using dining to people ordering more and more in delivery to the aggregator, food aggregators, you know, expanding massively. Um, 
and now back to a place where people want to spend money. I mean, people is now willing to go back to restaurants and spend money because we are tired of being locked down. No? So you see all the movement that COVID gives us and you can only think that delivery is here to stay across all QSRs. So, and not only across all QSRs, I'm also talking around the dinings, every restaurant, if you are not delivering, if you are not in food aggregator, you are missing half of the potential that you have. No, I, I think USR will continue to grow. I think convenience will continue to grow. I think delivery will continue to grow. But I also believe that, you know, cool, younger, vibrant um, places should continue to grow because people are willing to go out again. No. So how, how does Pizza Hut think about capitalizing on that delivery is one piece, as you said, but also being a cool, hip place to go and, and have an experience in person. Oh, wow. Um, listen, across all brands, I mean, this is KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and Habit Burger. Um, we have channels, no? We, we call them channels. So we have dining stores, we have what we call delivery, Delco stores, delivery and carry out stores. We have flagship stores, but we also have express stores that are just on the go. No, um, We diversify the portfolio. We still serve delicious pizzas. The, the same core pizzas are sold in all the channels. But the equipment, the back of the house, the labor, the, the model it runs slightly different to accommodate for different, um, you know, channels, as we call them, occasions, as you, as if you will. We, for example, we open late night and bars and, and in Peru, not so long ago, I believe a month ago or so, we opened actually a Pizza Hut bar. And it has karaoke and DJs and, and you sell pizzas and, and they have license to serve, you know, mocktails, cocktails, alcohol. Um, and that is in Lima in Peru. No? So we continue to explore. And that's probably just the beauty of an organization as large as ours is that we can test things, learn from it and potentially expand it if it works. It's not going to work everywhere but it could potentially have legs for certain countries, for certain type of demographics. And that's, that's the beauty of being in a corporation as large as ours. No? Sure. There's some freedom in that, right? To experiment, see what works, and then uh, lift and shift that to other markets. So, oh, I, I totally want to go to the Lima Pizza Hut bar, <laughs> right? I just want to get on. Well, in Dubai, just to give you an example, in Dubai, the, the Dubai Mall that has the one that has the Burj Khalifa um, has a dining restaurant, a flagship Pizza Hut dining restaurant. And that one, for example, has a wood fire oven. This is a true, oh. you know, wood fire mm -hmm. oven where our sour crusts, the handcrafted that I mentioned, goes through it and it has a series and it's called Signature Series of pizzas is just fantastic and it's an elevated experience under the Pizza Hut brand. So we cater for different occasions. No, We have the normal everyday pizzas, um, are very affordable, as much as you, you have once in a while, a little bit more of high end, but it's still very affordable because it's under the Pizza Hut brand. No? Oh, so many different ways to stretch that brand equity and, and the capabilities. So that's fantastic. I want to turn to the final dig, which is just a quick rapid fire of getting your, your thoughts top of mind. So I'm going to ask you a couple of a quick questions. What's the last product or service you bought on Impulse? 
Oh, mine. Uh, I just came from Los Angeles to see my daughter, and I cannot help myself on a shake from Habit Burger. I mean, this is the one that I asked my husband to deviate from before getting into the airport, pass me through a drive-thru in Habit Burger because I need to have that cookies and cream shake from Habit. Um, it is not everywhere in the United States, uh, Jess, but it's, it's the one that I have to have no matter what. Oh, that's fantastic. And I'm glad you got it before you crossed over the gates in, in the airport. That's good. Um, what's a, a category or a brand or a product that you could sort of rationalize any price point for? Like, doesn't matter what it costs, you're going to get this product. It, it doesn't have to be food or, or does it have to be anything. food? <laughs> Listen, I, I have two, two products that I continue to buy. I'm, I'm a shoe shopper and I mm-hmm. have to admit, and I have a passion as, as much as I love food, I love shoes. And, um, th- there is two brands that I like and I don't, I pretty much don't care how much they are. And one is Christian Louboutin because of the red soles. And I love them. I think they are classic, beautiful, and sexy. And the other one now is the Golden Goose. And I, I love whoever brought back the trend that you can use sneakers with all your dresses and, yes. and whatever you are wearing, you wear sneakers. Because I love my, my Golden Gooses and I have them in all colors and I feel so comfortable with them. So <laughs> regardless of the price, um, those are the two things that I will spend the most. And this is where my husband critiques me the most as well. <laughs> well, thanks for being honest with us, but those, that, those are great. As well as you, you talked about what about those brands, right? Is most kind of important to you. So that was really insightful. And speaking of brands, we all know that brands have really distinct personalities. And so I love this question. What's a brand that you would date and what's a brand that you would marry? Listen, with 27 years in Yom, Jess, I'm married to Yom. I am married to the four brands that we have. I, I cannot go outside because I absolutely love the personalities of each of them. If, if you take Taco Bell, it's all about leaf mass and the cold, vibrant, cool, bold that Taco Bell food is about. If, if you go back to Habit Burger, is the, the love of crafting and those char burgers the portobello my goodness is is just incredibly phenomenal no if you take um kfc always original what a personality kfc has i mean it brings the best of people and you you see it reflected in the coronel in many shapes ways and forms and and diverse and and it's just brilliant and by the way i'm a spicy girl i love (laughs) the singer and the hot and spicy chicken from kfc And last but not least, if I take pizza, I mean, nothing connects people like a pizza in a table does. And and we bring joy through pizzas as an experience. So if you ask me, am I Mary? And will I marry again somebody? I will marry again, John, in my my next life. Um, (laughs) I've been 27 years married to this, and I can only think that we carry the very best personalities and brands from burgers, tacos, pizzas, shakes, you name it, we have it everything under the roof of Yum. 
Well, that's a beautiful marriage. And I know that, that Yum must appreciate your, your support through the years. And this has been such a phenomenal conversation. I just appreciate your wisdom and your energy. It is infectious. I know everyone that's listening is walking away to, with a little bit more inspiration today. So I truly do thank you. I'm grateful for your friendship and your partnership. Thank you, Jess. And uh, I, you know, outs- I love it. I mean, thank you, Jess. I absolutely love that the interview on the podcast. I wish you the very best. I, I have this passion of helping, as I mentioned, and I know you're helping more people get more insights and more innovation out there. So I appreciate everything that you are doing with your company. Um, as a side conversation, Jess, I don't know if you know, I'm retiring from Yom and I will retire in March. Um, And it's sad and it's it's bittersweet because I love what I do and I have a huge passion for it. But I also know that it's it's about time to go back to Costa Rica and and be with my family that I've been detached for a long time. And uh, and it's time to give a space for more people to keep growing in this beautiful company. So, yes, my journey with YOM is going to end soon in the world, but I will love them forever. I, I will still be very connected with the brand. No, I'm glad that you, I think you did tell me that, but I'm glad you shared that here because it allows us to celebrate such a tremendous career. And I know the career is not over. You're going to find different ways to, to continue to give back. And um, I'm sure that you're, the foodie in you is not going anywhere, but creating space for others is a beautiful sentiment. And I, I know that that the professionals at Yum are very lucky for that and for your leadership. So congratulations on a beautiful career. Thank you very, very much. Yes. I also had another, when I asked you if, if, if it needed to be food or not, my impulse on, mm-hmm. on things that I buy, no, or not just the impulse, but regardless of the price, um, I always get them. Um, for me, there is, there is, as a foodie, I don't think twice if I, if I have the chance to get into a Michelin star restaurant. Everywhere we travel and, and when we travel as a family, my husband and I always try to book in advance. If we know in advance where we are going around the world, we try to book in advance a Michelin star because yes, you do pay a fortune but you get a fortune of experience um, just sitting there and, and seeing and, the, you know, delighting the plates. It's just an incredible thing that, yes, I do. We do spend the money on that. What was one of your more recent or more memorable uh, Michelin star restaurants? The last time uh, it was a couple of months ago in New York, I went to La Part um, and it was amazing. I mean, it, it's a variety of plates and we paired them with the wines. Um, uh, so it was not just the food, but the wines and the pairing. It was just an awesome experience. Oh, beautiful. No, I'm glad you shared that. And I'm sure you've had some impulse purchases from those menus when you've actually been there. Like, sure, let's splurge on this because we're only going to be here once. So, And it's once in a while that you do it. You, 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 don't, you don't afford that every day, but you afford it once in a while when you're on vacation. So I want to say thank you so much, Anna, for joining me today on the Dig In podcast. It's been inspiring. It's been energizing. And I just appreciate you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jessica. Awesome, awesome podcast. And I enjoy listening to every single one of them so far. Like what you heard? Share the inspiration. Or head to diginsights.com to learn more about what we do 